the Leash Today Talking Sport podcast, brought to you in association with Booth Concrete. Booth Concrete provide high-quality concrete products to Leash and the surrounding counties. Thinking concrete, think Booth Concrete. When quality matters. Hello and welcome to a very sombre edition of the Leash Today Rugby World Cup podcast. Uh, I've been putting this one on the long finger all week. Haven't really wanted to talk about it to anybody, let alone on air. But um, to ease myself into it, I'd like to start with our Mr. Rugby Podcast extraordinaire, Alan Hartnew, who I believe, Stephen, has developed a bit of a fan club. You're a cult following, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I witnessed a couple of people have said it to me that Alan is absolutely brilliant on the rugby podcast. I really enjoyed him. And I saw it in Moore Park on Friday night, the other night, when people were coming up to him and telling him how great he was. <laughs> you... <laughs> Sorry for laughing, Alan. <laughs> Sorry, right, I'm laughing too. <laughs> it's a bit like on Off the Ball or Second Captains previously when you used to always make the joke about Ken Early and he was like, to get him to talk about stuff other than soccer and it was so annoying but loads of people love that <laughs> you get a very different point of view Alan's Alan has had some gems over the last few weeks <laughs> well you got more predictions right for the quarterfinals than Stephen yourself and myself got two apiece and Stephen only got England One, correct yeah. last week yeah, and I was nearly right with uh, with, with Wales, only they, they fected up at the end. Yes, nearly right, doesn't, nearly right doesn't cut it as no. I, I'm always told. No, you know? it doesn't. <laughs> uh, the, the game itself, I saw it like you were saying, there was, I, I kind of, I really enjoyed that Ireland and New Zealand match. I know obviously it's, they didn't win, but to watch, I thought it was brilliant. It's one of the most enjoyable rugby games I think I've ever, I've ever seen. It was full of drama and full of um, incredible play, terrible errors. The one question I have for the two of you is that you, I, I, I'm trying to rationalise this in my head as to how people thought Ireland could win the World Cup when, to me, there's only... Now, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, there's only six or seven things in rugby that you have to be good at. Rooks, malls, uh, line-outs, scrums, restarts. That's five. There's maybe one other thing. But those are five... Packing. Yeah, but there are five, five kind of fundamental parts of the game that, that I would see that you have to be good at. And we're not good at two of them. So I, I, I struggled then to see how we could win it. And we can't do lineouts and we can't do scrubs. Uh, I, I don't have it in me to dissect the game and to go through that, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I don't think they're <laughs> fair that they're really long, long-standing issues. Okay. Um, is that fair to say, Mark? Yeah, the lineup was operating very, very well up until maybe a week before the World Cup, I think. I don't think there was any major issues with it. I certainly wouldn't have identified it as an issue I or anything I had had concerns about before the tournament started. No, Same I, goes for the scrum. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think there were... Um, like, look, you're talking about playing a really... you know, It's not a vintage New Zealand team, but you're still playing the best rugby-playing nation in the world. And... The margins are so small. Like, I, I think to beat a New Zealand in a knockout game, I think it requires you to be 10 points better than New Zealand to allow for a bad refereeing decision, a bad mistake, something malfunctioning like that. And Ireland weren't 10 points better than New Zealand. They were more or less they're equal. I'd say if they were to play them next week, they could beat them. 
Um, now, the, the, like the, there are big issues. They played uh, twenty minutes of the ma- match with an extra with an extra man. New Zealand got two yellow cards, and that's part of that's a big part of rugby. For the first part of it, I think they outscored New Zealand by eight points to nil. Yeah, uh, the first yellow card. Ireland got no score for the second yellow card when they're off the field. Um, so, I yeah, I think I think to 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 beat a team like New Zealand in a knockout game, you need to be, and that goes for anyone. I think New Zealand probably needed to be a certain amount better than Ireland to beat them to survive bad mistakes, bad refereeing decisions, some fluke or something happening. And I think Ireland just gave them too much of a head start or weren't it thirteen and nil down, and they played re- like Ireland played really well. Like they did so much, like they played their part in an absolute epic game. They and they almost won it. They almost won it there with that try. Ronan Kelleher almost got over only for Jordy Barrett to hold him up. Like nine times out of ten, he 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 rolls over Jordy Barrett there. It just didn't happen for us. And New Zealand literally didn't make a mistake. A mistake. They had no handling errors for the entire game. Like that's unheard of. Not so much as a knock on for eighty minutes. They were just they were at a hundred percent, and we were only at seventy five eighty, and it wasn't enough. Yeah, if you, that, and, and that goes back to what I'm saying about needing to be so much better to... to It's like playing flicking Kilkenny in Hurling or Kerry in football or um, any of the market leaders. Even bring it down to a local level, playing Camros in Ireland. You need everything going right for you and a certain amount of things going wrong for the opposition. And that's that's top level. Um, and it's such, a, it's such a disappointment because, fucking hell, they could have rested players for the semi-final. They actually could have made five or six changes, I reckon, for a semi-final against Argentina to get ready for the final the following week. I'd be that certain they would have beaten Argentina. And this thing about not getting past the quarter final, just because it didn't like it was still Ireland's best team and series of best performances. And they found themselves well luckily on the tougher side of the draw. That happens. I've no problem with that whatsoever. I've no problem with the the rankings or whatever happens that Ireland found themselves on the tougher side of the draw. That just happens. But like Wales, Argentina, Fiji, England they're not better than Ireland. They're not better than Ireland, and they're in. They, they, you know, two of them are in a semi-final. But like, doesn't you know Ireland played their part in an epic? So disappointing. I, I watched it in the Fisherman's in Fisher Sound. I always meant giving the Fisherman a fierce lot of shout-outs on this uh, on various podcasts. But the atmosphere and the crack while watching that match was just absolutely brilliant. And that was repeated the uh, country over. And I heard the people watching it on a. On a golf holiday in Portugal as well, and they said like the bar that we're in was full of Irish people watching the Ireland New Zealand match, and the place was buzzing. It, was it must be Irish one people. of the most watched sporting events ever. Like, what was the figures? It was one point seven or eight million or something? Was it? Yeah, I think it was one point six million. Was it? It was also the most watched sporting event in France that didn't include the French team. It was nine point eight million French people watched it. Yeah, you know, so like ever or this year, this year. This year, that's fair enough. Yeah, um, um, yeah, it's getting huge plaudits all over the world. It was an amazing game, but I couldn't enjoy a second of it. I was nauseous from an hour before kickoff, and I I left the room easily ten times in the game. I just did you watch I it at home have, or did you go to a pub? I watched it at home eventually, which was good. I might get kicked out of the pub for overreacting <laughs> to a few calls there. A few times I woke the kids up screaming at a couple of decisions. But yes, I don't usually watch matches in pubs because, as I explained last week, I don't like it. I like to hear all the commentary, see all the repeats. Don't like people standing in my way, stuff like that. Like, but uh, circumstances are a bit. And it just, look, there's different things that you get watching it in a pub: is the atmosphere and the communal joy and disappointment and that. And like when the final whistle went, you could have heard a pin drop. Mm. It was, uh, you know, deflation. Because look, you'd love Ireland to win it, obviously, but I would have loved to have experienced the 
the crack and the build up to a final like that would have been just just brilliant. I remember I interviewed Colin Rigney one time. He's from the great Rigney family from Port Leash, but he played with Leeds, played professionally with Connacht, and he played with Leeds in the in the English Premiership. And I interviewed him around the time he got to some cup final in, in, in whatever Premiership uh, cup competition had. It was playing, it was playing tweaking him like. I remember interviewing him before or whatever. And it could have been 04. And I remember him saying to me, he said, after England won the World Cup in 2003, rugby had the same sort of mass following as soccer had there. You know, it took them winning that World Cup for it to be, uh, you know, across across the board. And rugby was getting there. Like, it was, God, I said, would have broke 2 million had they got to the final. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, on Sunday night, you had arguably an even better game. In fact, I'd say South Africa and France is the best game of rugby I've ever seen. One of the best games of any sport I've ever seen. Absolutely incredible. Um, like, everything that went on in that. You, you, it's probably, would it be fair to say whatever happens from here now is going to be anti-climate? Well, maybe because we're Ireland are not involved in it anymore, but would it be fair to say that the steam has nearly gone out of it? Like, is, there, is it true that there's tickets being handed back left, right and centre to cancel out the two semi-finals? I would imagine if you're from New Zealand or South Africa, you are just holding out for the final mm. because it's as close as it's ever been to a guarantee that that's going to be the final. Like something would have to go unbelievably wrong for either of those teams to lose. Um, the Irish and the French were buying 90% of the tickets. Do you know what I mean? So they're both gone off with their tail between their legs now. I can't imagine how the French economy is feeling this week with all those pints not being drank. In Paris and around the place, but uh, yeah, I'd say the semi-finals are going to be very anticlimactic compared to last week. I think they're both going to be twenty twenty-five point margins, and I think it'll build back up then again for the final. Well, you see, the further you get into, like I always think, like knockout sport in any code is brilliant because you think about the amount of sport that we see on TV or we see in person. It's not straight knockout. It's not do or die, um, and. There's either a back door or there's group stage or there's so the percentage of knockout sport. And you see it, I remember in the, you know, you see a knockout Champions League match or a knockout World Cup soccer match or a knockout uh, old Heineken Cup quarterfinal or something. They're just, they're just on a different level. There's just a different vibe about straight knockout. It is very, very difficult to beat. And you see it in Gaelic football and hurling as well when it gets down to the quarterfinals, semifinals, etc. I do think when it gets to semifinals onwards, things get a little bit cagier. Like the old cliche, semi-finals are for winning and that. But people losing the semi-final is nearly the worst thing to lose because you don't get the experience of a final. Um, you don't get the, the excitement of it. I actually think there might be a surprise in one of the games this weekend. I really? think, um, other than the fact that Argentina are so useless, you know, like I don't think New Zealand, I think New Zealand are dead certs to beat Argentina. I don't know what the price on it is. I'd, I'd give England a fighting chance of beating South Africa. Uh, I think England are a cup rugby specialists. I think they're possibly able to bore them into submission. I think South Africa have a massive high to come down off from the from from last week, and will be hard to hit that again. And if they don't hit it, I think England could um, England could win one of these sort of traditional fifteen twelve, a sort of a low scoring type game. And uh, I, I give England a far better chance than Argentina. And I, I actually wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind that. I w- I'd, lo- I'd love to see two competitive games. I don't think we'll get two, but I think we'll get one. And I give England the best chance of it. And they're five to one. Thirteen points is the handicap, wow. and I think England are worth a little nibble at that. I could see them hanging in there for sixty, sixty-five minutes, but I think that South African bench has too much. 
I mean, Faf de Klerk came off the bench against France and he made a huge difference. Completely new against half his teammates, won't he? There's a good few Saracens guys playing for England. The Clerk, no, the Clerk doesn't play for Saracens. Who does the Clerk play for? He left Sale, Sharks. Oh, Sale, sorry, sorry, and sorry. And then he went, then he went to Japan. So there's a good few okay. South Africans. Sorry, you know, that a good few of the South Africans went to Japan for the money, and they seem to be well rested when they get back for international rugby. Um, but no, I, I think he could be a difference maker coming off the bench. Uh. I think Khaleesi will be fresh after last week. He came off after 45 minutes, which was mad. Yeah. Um, that's, just, that's the confidence they have in their bench and in their system. And yeah, I I definitely think England have a better chance than Argentina, but I think the last 10, 15 minutes, South Africa will put them away. Yeah, yeah. Just back to Ireland there for a brief thing. It, it is the end of an era to an extent. Like you saw Peter O'Mahony announce his international retirement. Keith Earls, they're two of my favourite Irish players of I've warned Sexton over the years. I wasn't his biggest fan at the start. Um, but he has been an incredible servant. The oldest player ever to play for Ireland. And I believe Bundiaki could be on borrowed time a bit. And what a World Cup he had. Like he you associate him with the power plays and that, but his footwork, his footwork for that try. Just he, he I really like him as a player. So do I, but he's he's what, thirty three, I think he is, yeah. So like he's not going to make the next World Cup. You're not going to be playing as a centre at 37. And I don't think there'd be much point in him personally holding out for a Lions tour. So he might be better off. I don't know. Actually, go to France. Get a couple of hundred thousand a year and go to France. Yeah, stay with Connick for another year and then maybe hit up Racing but or... They, they, reckon, they reckon his body is enabled for it. He's banjacks altogether. He's I'd say he able. probably gave everything he has for that mm. World Cup. I'd say he, I'd say he, there's not the French league is very unforgiving, and it's a tough you know like he he he's an attritional type of player but um ah look it's just disappointing go to Japan and make just as much money but I I'm I could see the competitor in him wanting to, to stick around at a high level in France I'm sure Ron O'Gara would love to have him at La Rochelle yeah O'Gara is brilliant his his punditry his columns are all are all top class. He's just a breath well, of fresh air. He's the next manager. Like he has a contract with La Rochelle to the next World Cup, so I think it, he, it's his job. Andy Farrell, he's surely staying for the next World Cup, but that'll be it. And then when's I think O'Gara. Farrell's the contract manager. up. The Lions Tour 2025, as far as I know. Okay, and the next Lions Tour is in Australia. Yeah, well. We don't. We have no idea who's going to be managing them. Your friend Eddie Jones could be either yeah. gone to Japan or he could have got the sack, or who knows what's going to happen there. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, is there a bit of local rugby? I, I just you'd still be disappointed. It's such a missed opportunity for Ireland. Um, who's who's going to take over from Johnny now? Like I, that that lad that I saw playing for. Um, who was he playing with? The under twenties? Is he? Is that who he is? Prendergast? Liam Prendergast. Sam. Sam. Sam Prendergast. Sam Prendergast. Yeah. He's surely straight in there, bring him in there for the Six Nations in February, no? Uh, I'd imagine Crowley will get the nod because, you see, Prendergast won't even be playing much for Leinster because Ross Byrne and Kieran Frawley would be ahead of him. Okay. Um, How long would for him then? A long move mightn't, uh, mightn't do him any harm. If he was to go to Ulster or Connacht for a season, that mightn't do him any harm. And bide his time. Uh, I it's think big... he's the next long-term solution, Alan. I'd agree with you. Who is the next um, 
it's some step up though. I've seen a load of good international under twenty players. Remember JJ Hanrahan? But he was he looked a very special talent. Joey Carberry hasn't delivered on his potential. Ian the, fellow Madigan, went, the fellow went blind. What was his name? He was very good. McKinley. McKinley, yeah, yeah. He, he still plays though. Does, does he play for Italy? He played for Italy, yeah. I think he still plays for uh, one of the Italian clubs, Benetton, as far as I know. I can shock uh, you now and again with a bit of random stuff. But like he, <laughs> he I remember him, he was very good. And then he got bad injury with somebody did someone stand on him or something. It was fairly fairly horrible what happened to him. But like Carberry has fallen off a cliff. Sure, he was I thought he was going to be the You don't trust season. him anyway. No, he gets injured a lot though, doesn't he? Yeah. Is that but you see yeah. the level that you're talking about, like We've been so lucky to have, essentially, I was at Johnny Sexton's debut in 2009. He made his debut in Croke Park. And I was a bit annoyed at the time. I was a, I was firmly in the Ron Nogara camp at the time. And I remember a news bulletin at the time saying, Johnny Sexton makes his long-awaited debut. Sure, he couldn't make Leinster team about three months previously. Like, you know, his long-awaited debut, me bollocks. But um, <laughs> he, he has turned out fairly good. Uh, I remember he actually, he scored the winning drop goal in the 2002 Schools Cup final. It was played on an absolute dirty day in the old Lansdowne Road, St. Patrick's Day Schools final. He was only in transition year. He came on as a sub for St. Mary's and to beat uh, Belvedere in the final. And But he's just at the level. Like, him for the last 14 or 15 years, O'Gara for the 10 years or so prior to that. If the next out half would be absolutely blessed to get to the level that those two lads were at. I saw someone making the point during the week if any of them could get to the level that David Humphreys was at, we, oh, yeah. we'd, we'd be happy enough. Yeah, well, we have four real contenders in Crowley, Ross Byrne, Kieran Frawley and Prendergast. And I think it'll help them not having the shadow of Johnny Sexton there. Mm. You know, they can battle it out with one another and there's no real expectations on them anymore. And they've, you know, they've plenty of leadership around them. They've Gibson Park beside them, Gary Ringrose, Mac Hansen in the back line. I think it'll be fine. It's about it's, it's Ireland. I suppose have generally nearly done too much in the cycles between the World Cup. Like world rankings annoys me a bit because it's your summer and winter tests or not autumn tests are feeding into it. Like if there are two world rankings on Ireland's World Cup performances, they'd be down, they'd be way down. But there doesn't Ireland don't ever seem to have another gear in them when they get to the World Cup. You know, they seem to have been be close to their peak in the cycles between it. Now, they did better this time, far better this time, but you, you would like to see them on an upward graph when they get to the World Cup, not plateauing or even, even coming down a little bit. But that's... Uh, that's a matter for another day, I think. Mm, matter for another day. Yeah. So, on the local rugby, um, there was a big game last week. Uh, that was Saturday, just before Ireland and New Zealand. Port Arlington went to Toker and beat Port Leash. Toker. Uh, Pronounce it properly there. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's like it's cluck, cluck, balakala. I didn't drive mad. I just keep saying cluck. But yeah, cluck. I guess cluck as well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they, Port won. Um, both sides ran in three tries, but Port kicked their conversions and they won. And they have a, a big game on Sunday. They're at home to Ross Gray, depending on the weather, I suppose. But uh, the other game, then Port Leash can come back and get back on winning ways. They are away to Burr who uh, Port beat on the opening day of the season. So, you know, uh, a speed bump for Port Leash, but I think it'll be between Port Leash and Port Arlington for promotion at the end of the season, which will be very interesting. Who's who's the other strong team in that division? Is there... Uh, Ross Gray. Okay. And, you know, but I... 
Ross Gray fell away last year when they started really well, but they fell away towards the end of it. I don't know why they have a tendency to lose their better players to some of the academies and that, so that could feed into it. But the yeah. other teams around you, the likes of Garda, Westminster, you have a Thur, they're not as good as Port or Port Leach. So. Go ahead. Atai, Atai are uh, second in Division 1B with two wins from their three games. Or, uh, so they were promoted up last year. They were promoted. Yeah. Yeah, their, their division, what, is that two divisions above the boys or one? There'll be two wins there. What are Port Leash? Two divisions. Midlands Warriors. Where are they best, uh, Mark? Midlands Warriors. Moat. Moat. Okay. And then Burr and Clane and Ross Craig. So there's six teams in it. It, it. it used to be bigger divisions. They seem to have... I, I used to cover the rugby for us before you arrived here, but I remember there being uh, bigger divisions. Where there's only five divisions in... Or five teams in 2B and uh, six teams in 2A. So... I, is there, you, you probably remember this better, Steve, but are there less rugby teams now than there used to be? I don't know if anyone has really faded. I don't think so. You see, what possibly has happened is that um, a number of Leinster teams have gone up senior, you see. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and they haven't, you know, like likes of Enniscorti are now senior, Nace are now senior, Tullamore are senior. They all play in the AIL. Um, by the looks of it, that that, that the lower grade seems to have been, I'd say, like, seems to have been merged and it's possibly been merged geographically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know, maybe maybe there's cross division games or something. I don't I don't know, but um, no, it, that like, I remember as a young fella, like, sure, you, like Navin. Navin are no longer um, a junior club. Like Navin Nace are both very strong AIL clubs. Tullamore AIL, Enniscorti are AIL. Um, so there's, and they uh-huh. haven't been. No, Carlo are way down. They were AIL at one stage. Oh. Um, I don't know where there might be the division up from Port Leaf, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be hectic by any means. They're nowhere near the war at their pump when like they won a heap of towns cups and then went all they went all the way up to division one of AIL, like when it would and not one B or anything, all the way properly to division one, where they would have been playing Shannon and, and Gary Owen and St. Mary's and Lanzone and all that. Um but no that that explains the that explains the the possibly perception of fewer Leinster teams because there's only one team, maybe two teams relegated from the AIL every year and they could be from Connacht or Ulster or Munster. So oh, like you could have a Leinster team promoted but a Connacht team relegated and uh, and that's how it works. So, you know, Ar- not, not are in the same division as the high actually, you're right. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, okay. they're there. Speaking of mergers, uh, Mark, Portlaoise ladies, the players anyway, have been saved. They've, they've, they've joined up with Ross Gray. Yeah, saved is a good word. Um, they couldn't fulfil their fixtures for the first three games of the season. Um, Port Leash, they had they had problems last year as well. They weren't they were only getting fourteen, fifteen to a game. Um, but they have merged for the rest of the season with Ross Gray. Uh, now I don't know what state Ross Gray ladies are in or whether like they obviously wanted this and they obviously welcomed this and it's great for the Port Leash girls who do want to play that they're going to get a game. But I don't know if it's a, a long-term solution and I definitely don't think it's sustainable because you'd imagine Ross Gray would get back to uh, to good numbers and be able to fulfil fixtures themselves in the coming years. But yeah, Port Leash saved, thankfully, for the for the time being. There's a, a Ross Gray in Division 5 of the Women's League, so I would take it that's probably where they're gone to. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, that's where they're going. Yeah, yeah. And and our the uh, Port Port Falcons are they still on the on the go? Yeah, they're still in Division Two. They narrowly missed out on promotion last year. Um, they've had a a tough start to the season. I think they've lost all their games. Um, they have. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like like that's an amalgamation as well of Kildara and Port Arlington. So you wouldn't know. I, I couldn't see Port Leash and Port Arlington girls coming together. That was tried five or six years ago, I think, and it, it never took off. Yeah, well, at least at least the girls who want to play are getting to play, and that's the 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 uh, that's really the most exactly. important thing because it's, it must be frustrating if you have thirteen or fourteen that actually want to play and they have nowhere to to go. So fair play to the powers that be for coming up with that solution because I know in in other goals or in other sports that might not have happened as easily or as quickly as that. So. Um, but as um, Charlie Ohi once described it about Fianna Fáil and the PDs, it's generally only a temporary little arrangement. I think that'd be for the best. I think it's just to make sure that the girls in Port Leash, like Alan said, that want to play are getting a game. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And keeping keeping their interest in it. Because once you step away for a year or two, that can be over. So uh, before we finish this up now, we'll have one more rugby podcast uh, next week. We'll obviously review the... Oh, we'll have two, will we? Because we'll review the final as well. Um, You're so but... popular, Alan, we can't just drop it like that. No, but somebody <laughs> said to me the other day, um, what are you going to do next? What sport are you going to do? And it, you know, it's a pity because if the rugby had to be on it, we could have done the cricket. That's on at the minute, the, the World oh, Cup. Ah, no, that would have been I would have come into my own area, you see, and you would have been the ones who were looking asking the city questions. So, um, we, we could have, we could have done that, yeah, definitely. We had, we had an I idea. Think... I was talking to Mark there in the car park earlier because I gave him his new jacket, his new leash today, branded jacket, which is very impressive, Mark. He's <laughs> be proudly wearing this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Anyway, <laughs> better, but... We had an idea at the quiz, Alan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could That's do a good idea. me versus Mark quiz every week. You could be the yes. quiz master. Yeah, random yeah. I, was, I was thinking if we could rope in maybe Barry Porrick yes. or a couple of others and yeah. and uh, we could really make teams or rounds out of it. This, we're having a bit of a, an on-air discussion here that <laughs> should be off there, but um, <laughs> I think yeah, if we if you want to put it to your your fan club, Alan, that a quiz might be next in line to follow the rugby pod. Through the through the chair there, I have an idea. I have a proposal. <laughs> I think we make we might have to get a neutral quiz master. We will. Here's I my think idea, that's good idea yeah. that we make a quiz team, the Stradley Parish Gales team, myself, Alan, and Porrick against the rest of the county. You can, yeah, you, that's what you you organise the rest of the county there, Mark, and get them on with you. <laughs> oh, they'll fall in line. Uh, <laughs> we'd have a, a fourth lad, we have Ross Malloy as well. You can oh, have yeah. Paul Dargan. You can have Paul Dargan. Who else can they have? And you, Mark, you have Barry. to, you have, I think we'd, you'd do 2v2 maybe, and you'd make sure then you'd have your panel and you'd pick two every week to come on. And uh, and take part in it. We just have to get a quiz. Ross could be a good lad for a quiz master. So he Ross would be a very good lad for the quiz master. Yeah. yeah, you want to have you know Ross's Ross's knowledge of a lot of different things is very impressive. Mark, so. we'll give you a little bit of homework. You come up with a you devise a format. Okay, done. And we'll come back next week and see how it fits. Yeah. What you beat me. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we did this last year with Parik and I used to have to come up with the most obscure questions to try and stop Stephen from beating the 16 year old. So uh, <laughs> he takes no mercy, I can tell you. <laughs> I'm not a fan's favourite at the quizzes. <laughs> right. right. Mark, sign it off there and we'll be back okay, next week yeah, to review the finals. Thanks a lot, lads. The Leash Today Talking Sport Podcast, brought to you in association with Booth Concrete. Booth Concrete provide high-quality concrete products to Leash and the surrounding counties. Thinking concrete, think Booth Concrete.
when quality matters.